Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Authentic Messengers. My name is Catherine Van Wetter and I will be your host today. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, I will be interviewing different authors from our new book, Life Sparks. All of these interviews. Oh, gonna wait a moment. Well, that was a beautiful interlude as I was welcoming everyone into this show today, Authentic Messengers. And again, my name is Catherine Van Wetter. And for the last several weeks on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time, I've been interviewing different authors from our new book, Life Sparks. And all of these interviews have been archived. So if you miss one, you can go to www.blogtalk forward slash authenticmessengers.com. Please also go to our Facebook page, Authentic Messengers. And if you like what you hear or if you would like to hear other things, please let us know and or at least give us a thumbs up. So thank you for joining us today. I'm so excited to be interviewing Selena Maitreya. And she's one of the authors from our from our book, Life Sparks. And for over 30 years, Selena has been a spiritual student studying many philosophies and spiritual practices, drawn to the simple yet powerful idea that we are all one, that our natural inheritance is love, and that our actions affect every single energy entity. Selena began to make her daily life practice her practice, make her daily life her practice, committing to respond to all events and beings from love. So hello, Selena. It's nice to have you on. Well, thank you, Catherine. It's a joy to be here. That was really quite auspicious with that song that came on today. I think it spoke to many of us out there who follow follow what our heart is and talking to you a little bit, you know, I understand that you had a huge move. And so here we are standing in the moment and all there is is love. So please um, tell us a little bit about what your chapter is about. I know that the name of it is Who Knew? If you would like mm-hmm. to to dive into that and begin talking about it, please. Well, it's a chapter... Excuse me, I'm sorry for clearing my throat here. The chapter is actually about um, a very uh, huge event that happened in my life the summer of 2013. I was preparing to sell the home that I had raised my boys, and I had raised them as a single mom for the last 15 of the 20 years that we were there. And um, I loved raising my boys, but it was a lot of hard work. I was running my consulting business and and taking care of the house, and I was neighbors to save land in our community, and I just had a very busy, active life. There was no no empty moments. I meditated, I rested, I took good care of myself, but I worked very hard. And um, two days before moving, I had an event, and the event was um, quite extraordinary. And so the chapter is about my request to spirit prior to the event, the event itself, and then the two and a half years that followed, um, which were now three years just this past July. So the the whole chapter is about really learning how to respond to anything that happens in our life, even very large 
seemingly traumatic experiences from one of the many manifestations of love. And that's what I've practiced, and that's what this event gave me the opportunity to um, to move forward. Wow, isn't it amazing to actually live your authentic life? Is that what you were going to say or to, I didn't mean to put words into your mouth. Well, you know, authentic is is a really interesting word because it has such great validity. But I think sometimes when we hear words over and over and over, we don't (laughs) always go to the, the actual um, we don't actually feel that they have the value that they do. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so authentic life, um, I'd say, yeah, that would probably be it. The um, the car, it was a car event that happened to me. I had um, I had been looking for a way prior to putting my house on the market. I had been looking for a way to move from being a consultant to photographers around the world, which is what I've done for 30 years, and I loved doing. But I wanted to be a spiritual teacher. And there was no time in the day to do both. So that I had I'd been asking Spirit for a way to do that, and they just kept telling me to wait. Just you will know, you will know, you will know. And so I did. I waited and um, was directed by them to sell my house at a certain point. My kids were older. My job was done. I had done all I had promised to do. And it was time for me to move on to the next stage of my life. And I trusted that Spirit would present me with the time to be a teacher, but it was still frustrating for me. Um, And then two days before closing on my house, um, I was going to my house to clean it literally for the last time. It was literally the last, the first day of the next stage of my life. And a woman ran a red light, hit my car, and the rest was history. Wow. Boy, talk about... (laughs) Talk about literally being stopped in your tracks, and what sort of did the injuries affect you in in how you dealt with work? Was the recovery physical recovery, or did you also have more traumatic injuries that stopped you from working? Well, interestingly enough, everything had been put on a pod and sent to New York the day before this happened. And um, as I said, I was on my way to clean my house. Um, she hit me 70 miles an hour. I had a convertible. And while I was at a traffic light waiting for it to turn, I actually put the top up of my convertible because it looked like it was going to rain. And as I traveled through the intersection, she hit me at 70 miles an hour in my driver door. And I'm told by um, witnesses and the state troopers that my car was spun around several times. My experience was that as soon as she hit me, I, I just drove to the light. I never saw her coming. And as soon as she hit me, the car filled with tremendous light. And I was, I was, didn't exist. I just stopped existing. And uh, there's the neuro, that, that's my, my experience. The science and medical experience would be that I was knocked out on impact uh, because mm. the impact was so severe. And then when she spun me around, my brain was injured even more. Um, They used the jaws of life to get me out of my car because the door was wedged into my side. Um, But I was was released from the hospital in four hours because I didn't have a scratch or a broken bone. Oh, my God. And and I had thought I had cheated death. I, I was so full of gratitude. Meanwhile, I had no home because my house, didn't exist. I was had been staying at a hotel. I had no car. Um, I was very shaken up. So a friend of mine, my neighbor across the street from my house, my dear friend Jenny took me in, and I went to my closing two days later, and that's when it started. Um, I ended up having a major brain injury that did not get healed for two and a half years. And when I moved to New York, a friend picked me up, as I got worse and worse and worse, and I got to a point where within days I couldn't walk down the hallway. I had no ability to stay stable. I, um, I walked, but extremely slowly. I couldn't focus, and I had, for the next year and a half, I had no more than two hours a day where I could really 
put any concentrated energy on anything. And the rest of the time, I was in this, I was horizontal, and I was really connected to a wonderful paradigm which felt very similar to what I experienced in the car when I was knocked unconscious. Um, It was amazing. My brain and my ego were not at all present. I mean, they were present, Mm. but they weren't present to me. And um, talking was difficult, not because I couldn't form words, because I could, but because I was so deep somewhere else that it felt like tremendous effort to put anything together, to put feet together, to move off a curb, uh, light, sound, impossible, total physical um, malaise. So I basically worked very little for a year and a half and um, kept to myself most of the time. And it was more difficult to ask for help or to carry on a conversation than it was to be by myself. And during this time, from the moment I was in the car and during that time, I was very aware that this was the greatest event of my life. There was no fear. There was no anxiety. I knew that this spirit came through and was very clear in the car while I, they were, I was waiting for the ambulance that this was going to, that they had created this event as an answer to my prayer and that, that all I needed to do was to completely surrender to it, that there would be times that would not be comfortable, but that everything mm-hmm. was going to be okay. Wow, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I just cringed as you were as you were talking and had my own imagery of, of what happened and I, I was also struck by one point that you made and I don't know if, if it was literal or literal or if you remember saying it, but you mentioned that you drove towards the light. And isn't it interesting when something like this happens, at least what I got from what you said, that often we do, one does go towards the light and sometimes the harshness of going towards it or the harshness that we may interpret or identify really is a wake-up call and how many people can be in that place either of surrender or being so angry and upset that something had happened to them like this. How were you able to overcome and come to the place that you are now with the surrender and with recognizing, from what I hear you say at least, the gift that spirit gave to you? Um, It was very easy, quite honestly, because um, I knew from, you know, the minute that they, the minute the event happened, I was not, I was unconscious in, in my experience. All I all I experienced was the car being flooded with the most amazing light. I, that, it was mm. just incredible light, and then I didn't exist. And when I was brought back into conscious, I heard a voice say, steer to the right. And and so I did, and there was a light pole in front of me. Um, the state troopers told me that um, the woman who hit me had been, had spun my car around and had been dragging me to a light pole that if I had hit it, I would have died because my car had already been compromised. My car would have exploded. And they asked me if I remembered, they asked if I remembered the light pole. And I said, yes, I remember it because I remembered hearing the voice saying, steer to the right. I mentioned that again, just because of what you said in terms of the light. Um, Mm -hmm. This was not a wake-up call for me. This wasn't a call because I had done anything wrong or I wasn't listening or there was anything I needed to do. This was Spirit saying they they were very clear. They came through in the car and they said to me, we've created this in order to take you out of your life completely because your life is so full, to download you with information and to change your frequency so that you can walk in to being teacher. And sure enough, all of the time that I was not able to communicate, they filled me with information and my frequencies were changed and I came out of this experience very different. Um, It wasn't hard for me to surrender. Um, I felt gifted that they came to me and told me this while I was still sitting in the car. So I would know 
not to be concerned. So I would understand the enormous gift that was being gifted to me. Um, now, I will say that as my brain healed, um, which is a very interesting observation for me, um, I would say two years into this, when my brain had started to heal to a point where there was more brain healed than not, uh, which would have mm. brought this to last January, January mm-hmm. of 2016, that's when I started to notice any fear about this. That's when I started to notice any difficulty. And that's, I believe, because enough of my brain and my ego were back in the picture, if you will, for me to have to um, recognize, you know, I, I was able to recognize, but for me to be able to witness as I saw the ego and then my practice was always, as I witnessed, to shift into love. But I would very um, accurately say that the first two years when my brain was severely damaged, I, I didn't have to try. I, that's all I was. And I was, I'll, I'll share that I was disappointed when I realized, excuse me, <clears throat> when my brain was healed, um, and I realized that, oh, my goodness, while I feel very different and feel completely reworked by spirit, there is still ego. There is, are still times when I see frustration in the life stream and I see judgment in the life stream. And so I then, you know, recognize that and choose to, to move it. But it was very disappointing. I really thought, okay. Because for the first two years, there was none at all. I thought, oh, mm. this is lovely. But, um, <laughs> but, but it's there, and it needs to be recognized, and it's more opportunity to, to have compassion for others and move forward with my own humanity and um, using that, yeah. And I also, you know, it's, it's interesting as we talk about the ego, there's, there's so many different ways to look at the ego. And I'm, I'm wondering more, you know, perhaps the ego is, is our innocent one or our child or, you know, not necessarily something to push away or get rid of, rather a good teacher for us to see areas where we may be out of balance or um, just needing more clarity in some area just a little sidebar and I'm so grateful that that you're okay and that you've made it where you are and that you're able to do the work that you're doing that you're doing now I'm also curious that since the accident was so severe that I don't know if they they did MRIs on your brain to see that your brain had been compromised because you said it had taken a while for them to recognize that there was TBI traumatic brain injury Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they didn't. I live in a. I lived in a very small town, and they did nothing. Um, I think I was in the emergency room, and they were very stressed. It took a couple of. I was there for four hours because it took them three hours to come see me. And um, when um, they did some X-rays on that uh, on my neck because my neck was a little sore and my ribs were a little sore because the door had been pushed into the side of my body, and that was it. But I was very fortunate, and this was part of the wonderful mystery of it, because the year before this happened, I was diagnosed with MS. And um, I was told, because I had no symptoms after the diagnosis, um, I was not impacted. Um, It's a a long explanation, but my, my brain was severely damaged from MS, but my life didn't have any examples of that. I was more than functioning. And so my doctor said, well, don't worry about it. You know, should you need, should anything else happen, see a doctor, otherwise make an appointment in a year. So that I had made an appointment in a year and it was a week before this event. So the first time I saw my neurologist for my MS diagnosis, which has not affected my life still, um, She saw me, and then a a week after, I had my car event. So she was able to see me walk in normal, and then she saw me after the car event a week later, and it was immediate to her what was happening. And so I was very fortunate in the fact that I had a wonderful neurologist who diagnosed me right away, even though the emergency room people didn't, um, didn't really move forward in the way they could have. 
Which wow. Yeah. Boy, it's amazing. It's amazing the trajectory of our life, isn't it, with, with circumstances, events, tragic or however we want to define them come to happen. And even using the word tragic, that in and of itself is a judgment, you know, because it sounds like what happened to you as difficult as it was, it also opened up new horizons for you. Can you talk more of what you've learned as a result of what happened on that on that fateful day? Yeah, um, I would, and I and I also want to just, if, if I could, respond to what you just said, because I think words do carry a frequency, and I think you're absolutely right about that. I never call it an accident. I always refer to mm-hmm. it as an event, and I do mm-hmm. because of the frequency. The spirit mm-hmm. came through and was so clear that this was an event in my life, and mm-hmm. and it was never a tragic experience for me. It was a gift. And so you're right, words have frequency, and, and, and that's the big picture, and that's why I wrote about this, because I want people to understand that in the physical world, things look one way, but if all we do is look at them from the physical and we're not looking at them from the higher realms, we miss a huge portion of not only our life, but our opportunity for the growth of our consciousness. So on a, to any layman, Catherine, this would look like, oh, my God, poor Selena. This has completely changed my financial life. I had a very comfortable life. I worked very hard. I made a lot of money. I supported my children. And because I supported my children in a way that gave them a comfortable life, and I was a single mom, they had a great dad, but I took the financial, the majority of the financial burden. And because of that, I had no savings. I was just not mm-hmm. able to have savings. When this happened... I had a little bit of money from my house, and that was it. So my being out of work for two years, I've lost over $200,000 in income. And so my life has completely changed, and there has yet to be a financial settlement from the insurance company. And so my whole financial situation, I went from having an excellent credit rating to having to restructure my finances. And so everything has been topsy-turvy. And mm. anybody would look at that and say, oh, my God, how are you doing that? If they just looked at the physical ed, how did you, how did you not work for two and a half years? How did, I mean, I did work, but how did, you, how did you not work at the way, the level that you were working at and the amount that you were working at? How, how is it that you went from a great financial situation to a terrible financial situation and you call it a great event? And mm. I do that because... I don't live just in the physical world. I live on the higher realm. And this Mm -hmm. experience has shifted me so dramatically and has given me, I have seen miracle after miracle in the last two and a half years, connections, opportunities. I've seen the greater wisdom in all of this continuously. And that's what I wanted to share with people through, through the story and through this interview is the fact that it doesn't matter what happens in our life. What matters in small instances up to great events like this one is our chosen response. And when yes. we respond from a, the, the higher frequency of who we are, from the higher realms of the love that is the frequency um, that was placed within our body when we took our first breath, then the next moment of our experience is different from when we respond from the lower frequency of fear, which in my world is the ego. So when we mm-hmm. respond from the low frequency of fear, because we are frequency, and so the brain will structure around any frequency that exists. If fear exists, then the brain's going to start structuring around that. If the, the high elements, the high frequency, the intuitive body is activated, the brain is going to respond around that. And so when we have difficulties, challenges, irritations, disagreements, great what people call tragedies, I call, I call events, and we respond mm-hmm. from our higher frequency, then we have different life experiences than when we respond from our low frequency. You know what it's like, Catherine? It's like those books that you have different opportunities at different parts of the book to answer a question and then the book changes and you go over here for this response and over there and then the, the next chapter of the story is different. Have you ever seen those books? They're very, No, very I cool. haven't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So you mm-hmm. can get you can have a different response, and that response takes you to the next part of the book. Well, our life is like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what I've done. And so my response to everything was to surrender and to go to gratitude and to be grateful and to, and to just really, especially in the early months, uh, when I really could do nothing but be in the present moment because that was all that I could handle, be so grateful for the fact that instead of worrying about the fact that I couldn't function, that I was so grateful that I had been working all these years to try to be in the present moment, and now that's all I was capable of was moment mm. to moment to moment. So there was always oh. gratitude. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's so beautiful, and I and also I'm reminded of of how many people, and speaking only from our country, since this is where we are now, how many folks have been compromised financially and with their livelihood losing their earnings for whatever reasons, and really being called to look at the higher realms to recognize that we're so much more than our paycheck was so much more than how much money is in the bank or what our car looks like or what our lives look like. And the struggle that folks have because of the fear that you're talking about. And I recognize that the, that the brain, it has a tendency to take in words like fear and anger and rage more readily than words like love and compassion, which is fascinating through neuroscience. So what do you have to say to those folks who are out there struggling right now because of losing, so-called losing everything that they've surrounded themselves with? You've alluded to it a little bit, but do you have any tips for people who find themselves so despondent right now because of the events that have um, occurred in their lives, bringing them to a, a certain economic spot? Well, I think whether it's interesting on um, this past New Year's, and um, I tend to spend New Year's Eve by myself, even if I'm in a relationship, I, I find some time uh, for myself because it's a very holy time for me. And I connect with spirit and I ask for them, for a message from them um, for not only myself, but for all of us. And this year um, on New Year's Eve, when I asked spirit, you know, what, you know, what message can you share? They were very specific, and it's something I've been teaching that I think answers your question. They said that this year is the year where we have an opportunity to experience anything from the frequency of joy. Now, the work that I do comes directly from the teaching of spirit. And just to give a little background to this piece of information of experiencing anything through joy. Mm. Spirit, the spirit of oneness defines the frequency within us, the higher frequency of love is the intuitive body, and they speak of the manifestation of that in the physical world looks like words that we know of. It looks like patience and kindness and compassion. That frequency, frequency, true frequency manifests as tolerance as wisdom, as gratitude, as understanding, as grace, as joy. Mm. So when Mm -hmm. they talk about experiencing anything that happens through the frequency of joy, so I said to them, well, help me to understand this. How do I say to someone who has lost a beloved, which is the most difficult thing I believe that anyone can go through, is to, you know, possibly, I mean, we all have difficult things, financial loss, health loss but the loss of someone, a child, a sibling, you know, is a very difficult loss. So I said, how do I tell a student who comes to me, who sits with me, to experience their financial loss, their their health loss, or the loss of another being through joy? And they were mm-hmm. very clear. They said, you, you remember, you are grateful for what, They spoke specifically at this point about the loss of another. They said, you sit and you go to quiet and you remember. You remember them completely. You feel their frequency in front of you. You Mm -hmm. remember to feel all the goodness in them. You see their individual qualities. 
you experience a moment where the two of you shared wonderful connection. You feel that in your body. You bring it into your emotional system. You fill yourself with the frequency of their grandeur, of their kindness, of their love. And when I take people through this in groups or individual, and people can do this on their own, when they go Mm -hmm. to quiet and they truly, they don't think about the person. They're not using their brain. They're opening their heart and they're feeling the frequency of this person and they flood themselves with that person. Mm -hmm. And they allow themselves to experience them fully. They are they are connecting to the frequency of that being, which never goes away. The body leaves, the frequency doesn't. When we're mm. talking about, does that is, that, is that clear? Is that? Oh, I mean, yeah, it's beautiful. It's, to you? Yes, it is. And I even heard a shift in your voice as you were talking, um, <laughs> feeling the, the energy of what you're saying. Yes, that's yes. And, lovely. And spirit, has, spirit has said that in your physical world, you are trained to respond from the lower frequency, from the fear. So you you experience your emotional body having a sense of loss. And there is no need to have a sense of loss because that frequency is still there. You have been trained to believe when the body isn't there. But it isn't the body you've been relating to all these years. It's the frequency within the body. And the frequency is still accessible to you. So if we open up to that frequency and don't buy into the training that we've been given, that we're relating to a body, which we are not, the body is what leaves, the frequency does not, then we still have access to the frequency. And Mm -hmm. that's how you experience the loss of another through joy. You experience the joy of their frequency. Mm-hmm. And and um, this makes such logical sense because we know mm-hmm. bodies come and bodies go, and it's true we don't have relationship with a physical body. We have relationship with the frequency within that body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the energetics of meeting someone and being in the same resonance or the same vibration, um, not really noticing it necessarily if they're male or female. It's it's a frequency, as you said, that brings the closeness. I'm curious, as you're, as you're speaking with the flood of anxiety and fear within our paradigm right now and in, in lieu of what's happening politically, a lot of people are very reactive. A lot of people are in a lot of fear. And for those who are listening who may be sensitive to that within their environment, how would you suggest someone navigate through these these waters that we could say are turbulent in some ways and also waters that are changing um, people to a different frequency, a higher frequency? Yeah, I would ask them to remember once again that we are energy and form, which means there's Mm -hmm. always a physical explanation and a physical realm that we can function on, but there is a higher frequency realm that exists, and we have choice as to where we choose to function. If you're only choosing to function on the physical realm, then there is a lot of fear because the physical realm is full of fear. That's the purpose of the physical realm, not the purpose. I want to restructure my words here. The physical realm is full of a lot of fear. Part of the paradigm of the physical world is fear and anxiety. The higher realms have no fear. If you think of our individual life streams, I call Selena and Catherine, each one of us is a life stream. Within our life stream, we have our physical body, we have our brain, and then we have frequencies. We have the higher frequency we've talked of as the intuitive body, and we have the lower frequency, which I refer to as the egoic body. Mm -hmm. And so as we move, this life stream 
is full of paradox, is it not? We have high frequencies and we have low frequencies. We have a physical brain. We have an energetic frequency within a physical body. Our world, our earth, is held together by paradoxical forces. It's held in its orbit by literally paradoxical energy fields that hold it in its orbit. So when we think of that and we think of our life stream as as a, a, a microcosm of the great macrocosm of the earth, and we look at today's political climate, it's important to remember 2012. 2012 was a year that the Mayan brothers spoke of as there are being a tipping point. There are more people at that point, there, for the first time since our planet's inception, there were more people of consciousness on this planet than ever before. And if we think back, I'm 61 years old, if I just think back 25, 30 years, there were no yoga studios. There were no meditation challenges. Chiropractic as a science was new. There was so much less consciousness than there is now that I I believe all the teachers, and I, I see it myself, who say there is more consciousness than ever. So here we are on a planet held in place by paradoxical forces. I'm walking in a life stream that is a living paradox. So why wouldn't we assume that as we live in a day and age where there is more light than ever before, we're not going to create more dark? Every mm-hmm. time I hear Donald Trump, I know an angel is being born. I know that people... The, 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 the upheaval, the disruption that's happening is a response to all of the light that is here and all of this disruption creates more light. Mm-hmm. The Kabbalists talk about the fact that you can't create darkness without light. You can't create a yin without a yang. You go and try to create a yin symbol. You can't create the dark side without already creating light. So I see all of this from a very holy point of view, and I like to be aware. I like to move forward in my life creating as much light as possible. So I am not advocating, I want to be so clear, I am not advocating that people walk around and not be aware of what's happening. I believe we need to be supremely aware, but we need to, in our awareness, need to hold the understanding that words have power, that tolerance Mm -hmm. is a physical manifestation of love. So when I see Donald Trump, I do not talk badly of him. I do not use words. I do not talk about Donald Trump. I don't try to create and pass on that energy. Whenever I see uh, d- divisive forces in our, in our, on our planet. I am aware of them, and I create more love. And that's mm. what I believe is my job as a light bearer, as a light worker, is to move in my life with as much integrity as I can in terms of watching my own behavior. And when my behavior is not that of love, then I cancel that frequency and I replace it a frequency of love. Mm-hmm. And I and choose not to respond to the negativity of others with more in kind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting within the, the and thank you so much for being clear in what you just expressed. That as a as a culture, again, the, the studies have indicated depression um, that can also be looked at as demoralization, loss of hope depression, anxiety, addiction, distractions, et cetera, et cetera, are on the uprise. And curious what your, what your, thoughts, um, what your thoughts are on that in regards to, to what folks are experiencing because sometimes the, it can feel so overwhelming that there is a distraction. There, there can be the use of drugs or alcohol, um, what you have to to say for folks who may be dealing with this. And this is aside from clinical, you know, not wanting to go into clinical or diagnosing and that sort of thing, but rather 
um, as a coping mechanism or as a way as a way to be able to handle what's happening. I don't know if I, I gave you a lot to to answer in that no, if you I, want to tease it apart. I, no, I, I think that's a wonderful question, um, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I'm being very thoughtful about my response here and, and wanting to be very clear. I've... It's my experience that when we want to shift our state, regardless of a diagnosis, regardless, I was diagnosed with MS. I was diagnosed with Crohn's right after my mother died of it. To this day, I have no experience daily from Crohn's. I have no experience of MS. I'm not holding myself up as a paragon or an example here. Well, I am holding myself up as a good example, but I'm not comparing MS or Crohn's to depression or to um, uh, another diagnosis of of emotional uh, challenge that has been diagnosed. What I'm trying to say, and I want to be clear, and I don't feel like I am, so forgive me. Um, What I want to say is a diagnosis is a diagnosis. And we have choice as to how we respond. And I believe that there are times that there's a medical solution for people, and I believe that there are times that I'm in, in addition alongside a medical solution, there is a spiritual solution. And I believe that the opportunity to go to gratitude for whatever we have, the breath we have, the trees, we have, the kindness we see, the kindness we experience as we make ourselves aware and we feel in the body, not just aware through the mind, but we bring through the emotional system into the frequency field, which is what I believe our emotional system does. We bring those experiences of gratitude into us we are being able to shift our state. I am not saying that this is going to 100% across the board shift anybody's state of depression. I am asking people to try this in alignment with because I have seen great happen and changes and shifts happen for people who have depression, who have worry, who have anxiety when they meditate, when they go to quiet, when they bring in gratitude, when they don't accept a diagnosis and only take medicine and do nothing else because we're not just Mm -hmm. physical bodies and the medication affects the physicality and there are times that that is greatly needed. I have a younger son who was diagnosed bipolar five years ago and before they diagnosed him, he was in a very bad place where he was, it was starting to settle in and it was six months from hell for everybody. And he needed to have his brain at that point regulated so that his system could readjust itself. And as he moved forward in the next year of being on medication, he chose to go off. And we took a big, deep breath. And his life, he made a wonderful decision. He also watched his diet. He also increased exercise. And he also is a boy who lives a man now, who lives in a lot of gratitude. I recognize that when I am in complete kindness with him, our relationship is so much smoother and so much more palatable for him because that's what he responds to the most. So so I've given you a lot back here that we can parse out and, and and, and, and bits and pieces. But I just wanted people to understand that, that I've, I've lived through an experience with my son that was devastating for all of us. And throughout it all, each time I had to sit with him before he got regulated, when he was, his body, because his face would change second by second, so much so that at 17 years old, his body couldn't physically handle the energy shifts that were going on. All, when I stayed in kindness instead of fear, he responded to that so much more. 
And as he mm-hmm. moved forward on medication, off medication, and doing incredibly well in his life, that, that state of kindness is still what matters. And that's just another frequency, another manifestation of the frequency we're talking about. So bringing in spiritual tools as well as physical tools like medication is huge for people with depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. And thank you for your vulnerability and sharing. And it is, you know, it's been said during this time of, of tremendous shift energetically, consciously, we're, we're going to a higher vibration to release the dense parts of ourselves, behaviors, attitudes that no longer serve us and to Absolutely. not go to sleep right now and to not do the habituation, which is, can be so comfortable, especially after a long day's work to, you know, grab a glass of wine or to grab whatever to, because it's habituated. And to also recognize as you were talking earlier with the energy that we exude out of us, keeping ourselves in love, in the love frequency. It's not an outside job. It's an inside job as we propel things towards us because of our loving heart and because of the energy of joy that emanates out of us. That this truly is a time to be, to be the light workers within ourselves, not necessarily telling the world that. It's a silent mission in many ways um, to look at those places that we want to run and hide. To, as, a, as a habit. Absolutely. And, and this is hard work. This is a discipline. This work mm-hmm. is not about um, when, when Spirit says live through each experience through joy, I said to them, does that mean this is going to be a joyous year? And they said, no, it doesn't mean it's going to be joyous. It doesn't mean it's not going to not be joyous. It means you have the choice to respond to whatever happens in whatever way you choose. And so if you choose in any experience to respond from fear, that's your choice. That's what you will create. And, and when you choose to respond from the frequency of the many manifestations of love, that's what you will create regardless. So it matters not what happens in the external world. It matters what we choose to do with what lands at our door, whether what lands mm-hmm. at our door is depression or what lands at our door is a car event or what lands at our door is the loss of a job or an irritating teenager or somebody cutting us off on the road or waiting on an express line and somebody comes in front of you with a, you know, 35 different items and it's 10 items or less. It doesn't <laughs> matter what happens. What matters is your response. And each time mm-hmm. we choose a loving response or we choose to notice our non-loving response, we're creating light for ourselves. And think about it. If everyone in this world just took care of creating light for themselves and being aware of their own lack of consciousness and, and took responsibility for that in shifting it, we would be in a very different place. So, when people are concerned about what can they do in the world, choose to watch your own consciousness and make mm-hmm. shifts with you. If you do nothing else but that, that is a huge job. But most mm-hmm. people won't take on that job because it is a lot of work. It is a lot of discipline. But the reality is it's not big steps we have to make. We can be kind to the people we see in the world. Until recently, I lived in New York City, and that is one of the kindest places in the world. I can't tell you the many times I saw goodwill and I saw people helping people, and I was one of them. I, I believe as I move through my day, the best job I can do is to be as kind and pleasant as I can be. And my son caught me in the last couple of days, pointed out to me a couple of times when I thought I was being kind, and I wasn't, and I wasn't mm. aware of it. And he said, Mom, what an edge in your voice when you ask that person to please move over. And so I, I feel like we all have these places where we can continue to be kinder and gentler. Gentle mm-hmm. is such a magnificent word. That mm. means gentle with ourselves mm-hmm. and with others. So there's so many things we can do 
to help the world that are small steps that involve accepting responsibility for our own behavior as we move through the world. If we keep gentle in our front pocket, imagine how much kinder the world would be. Mm. And, and we really do. Growth. And we do really do walk in a world of grace, you know, in a field of grace. It's it's interesting Absolutely. how many people have. And again, this is isn't this our spiritual learnings that we are. <clears throat> from the perspective of science, which I think is a, a beautiful way to be explaining spirituality through science, that we're recognizing that it's an inside job. We're recognizing everything radiates through us and out of us and how many people, and I know myself being raised in a family where it was always looking outside oneself. And now that we've come to this position culturally it's going to one's knees and recognizing there is no out there out there it is inside that the change is happening and I appreciate that how you talked about the simplicity of the kindness that is within us that perhaps it's loving ourselves a little bit more it's being kinder to ourselves rather than the judgment and the pointing fingers with three more pointing back at us Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because if, if you know, I believe in oneness. People say to me, "What you know? What's your grounding? What's your what's your philosophy?" My philosophy is very simple: it's oneness. We are all a manifestation of the divine, and if we are all, we all have a high frequency. When we are born into bodies, we are born with our first breath as the divine. And that's the one, the one common element that we all have. We're all different manifestations of that divine, but we have the divinity within us. When we look at, at the people who we consider our significant others, whether they be our children, our partners, our friends who we just know the minute we met them, that they will be in our life forever. What we see in them, I, 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 See this uh, people on the trains in New York, people on the street that I pass by. You know what I connect to when I say hello to them is the higher frequency of who they are. And mm-hmm. if we believe, and not everyone shares this belief, but if you believe in the oneness of all, then you know that if you judge others, you judge you. As you judge you, you judge others. So what you just said is so so beautiful. When students come to me. Very often, it's so much easier for them to start to bring changes in their relationships with other people in terms of seeing them through the eyes of love and the eyes of gratitude and grace than it is for them to see themselves that way. They have to be reacquainted. I always tell my students, I'm not teaching you anything now. I'm reintroducing you to who you already are. And in that reintroduction, they become the loving. It's not we think to have love for ourselves. We don't think our way there. We have to experience that. We have to experience that which we already are. And so that piece of people that they get reacquainted with, that they then can reactivate within themselves and then they can assimilate throughout their life movement is this reintroduction to this frequency of love that that they brought into this physical body with their first breath and will go out with their last. And if there's anybody listening that doesn't believe this is a frequency issue, then please think about the fact that when we go to heaven... EEG or an EKG, what is the doctor measuring? They are measuring actually the frequency in our heart, the frequency in our brain. And in our last moments of life, when we're hooked up to a machine and we go to a flat line, we go to a flat line when there is no more frequency in the physical body. So we are Hmm. not working with the frequency that we know exists. But that's what I'm talking about. There's low frequency and there's high frequency. And when we move forward in the high frequency of who we are, we are moving forward in the oneness of all. 
When we move mm. forward in the fear, we are moving forward in in that place that is also within each being that is the polarity to the higher frequency. And I, it's all choice. I choose the high frequency. I choose to realize and to see when I'm in low frequency and when I am, I choose to shift into my high frequency as a response. That way, mm. I am always able to move forward in the highest frequency of all. It's all about oneness. Mm. Oh, thank you. And I, as we're wrapping up, it's hard to believe this time with you has gone by so quickly. And I've enjoyed every every moment of it. And was going to ask you've already given so much. If you had if you had one tip, um, and you pretty much summed it up. But if there's anything else that you would like to leave our our listeners with, um, ways to get a hold of you, or or anything that you would like to say as we begin to close out today. Yeah, we've certainly talked about an awful lot, and thank you, Catherine, for <laughs> you know providing all of us with this outlet and this opportunity to explore our walking on this earth from a higher consciousness. Um, I think that's what you're doing with this entire show is bringing on uh, other teachers who, and all of whom have a different uh, expression and interpretation of how we can live in a higher consciousness as we walk the planet and how we can increase our. So thank you so much for all of your work. Oh, it really is oh. a wonderful gift to us all. Thank you, yeah, and wonderful. it's a reminder that we all have we all have our gifts to give to the world, and it's not about competition. I what I love about yeah. authentic messengers and the platform that's been created is collaboration. It's each and yeah. every one of us have our yeah. integral place in this, and yeah. I'm I'm so honored to have talked to you yet again, and just briefly want to introduce our next guest. Next week, on the 9th of August, I still can't believe we're already in August, but next week, the 9th of August, will be Angela Alcantar. I hope I pronounced her name right. And she is the founder of The True You Today. She's dedicated to lifelong learning, and she's a teacher, a coach, an encourager with a clear purpose to empower others to live an authentic life from their soul center. Let your soul song sing as she passionately, as Angela passionately seeks truth, not only for herself, but she looks for ways in which to help others do the same for themselves. So please join us next week. You can also go to our archive show on www.blogtalk.com forward slash authenticmessengers.com. If you are interested perhaps in being considered as a co-author for another Spark series, you can go to authenticmessengers.com for more information. Our first book, I'm so excited, should be released by August 11th of this year. So you can get onto our website to find out more about that or onto our Facebook page, authenticmessengers.com. So again, thank you so much for joining us today. It'll be next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. This show is archived for those of you who are not able to listen in. And please pass this show on to others. And Selena, congratulations on your move. I hope I'm not saying something that I shouldn't say. But no, congratulations thank you very on much. your new home. Thank you. Thanks. I wanted to and invite is- everybody. Can I just invite everyone to yes, practical please. spirituality? Uh, my Facebook group is Practical Spirituality with Selena. We've got over 16,000 people there. And then my website is my name, selenamaichaya.com. So welcome and come on over. And uh, thank you again, Catherine. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And be well, everyone. Take good care of precious you and know that you are the change. Much love. Take care. Thank you, Selena. My pleasure, dear. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.